Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Raising Bulls, brought to you by the beautiful game network, Roughneck Scarves, and Icarus FC. We are the only podcast dedicated to the New York Red Bulls 2 of USL Championship. Tonight, we I'm, we were not on last week, uh, scheduling snafu, so we're going to talk about two matches that happened further in the past than probably uh, we normally do, uh, a loss to the Tampa Bay Rowdies and I don't think loss is the appropriate word uh, to use when referring to the, the match against uh, Hartford. We're going to look at some news around the league, some standings, uh, uh, and preview the match against Charlotte tomorrow night at MSU Soccer Park. Joining me, as always, it's Mr. Anthony Merced. Hello, Anthony. How are you? I'm doing okay. Enjoying the Euros a lot more than I'm enjoying uh, New York USL soccer these days. I mean... All right, wait a minute now. I think that in terms of pure entertainment, an international soccer tournament is is generally going to trump even the best domestic leagues. Uh, How many international soccer tournaments have you really watched? Because aside from the World Cup, most of them are pretty boring aside from one or two. I feel like the Euros are pretty standardly not boring. Last Euros I didn't care for too much, but... I think usually they put on a good show. It was, all, it was all about the final. It was all about that weird Portugal game where Ronaldo decided to be a manager after blowing his knee out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, I can't disagree with you. Uh, one time Red Bull Loney, Patrick Schick, goal of the tournament. Got to feel bad for Scotland. Um, six seconds after taking a shot, they concede from basically the midfield line. Uh, but... Uh, all of the games have been good, like you said. I've been enjoying the soccer during the day. I have to watch on ESPN Plus, so I've got that like uh, really, really tiny uh, overhead view of the field. So that's been interesting. Wait, what do you mean really tiny? You, uh, so I also have ESPN Plus, but I can watch the full feed. What? I don't know how that could be. It, they won't let me watch the full feed. It might be perhaps that like my ESPN Plus is also plugged into my cable. Ah, see, yes, that's that's oh. what it is. I I don't have the cable. Right. It's a little seamless, so I can't tell the difference. It's just like <laughs> the game, and it turns on. Well, good for you, Anthony. The rest of us normies have to watch like the worst view of all time. Actually, Although you're the you're not the I'm see I'm the normie in this case because there's oh, yeah, still a lot more people that have cable that are that have like pulled the plug. Okay, uh, so what I meant to say then was uh, us weirdos have to watch in like the worst way possible. What? You get you, you you get you get um bird's eye view and like all the coverage of the Rocket League finals that you want. <laughs> Heck yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. The 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 one saving grace was that I uh, I had the bird's eye view for the Patrick Schick goal. So uh, yeah, you know. Patrick Schick, who Leipzig really really wanted to keep but uh, couldn't come to terms with, um, so they so he ended up signing with uh, Bayer Leverkusen. Yep. Rip. Rip Scotland. Oh, you know, obviously it's only the first game. Anyway, we're not we're not here to talk about the Euros. We're, we're here to talk about other uh, uh, tough losses. Uh, let's let's just do them in order. Um, Tampa Bay one nothing. We have very different opinions on the meaning of this game. I look at this as a solid effort by a team that really. Uh, in all senses of the the word, uh, uh, are not nearly as uh, experienced as the Rowdies. Put in a great effort, still lose. Uh, 
but look like they could have beaten the Rowdies on the night. Uh, solid shift from Evan Loro one time, uh, Red Bull two uh, goalkeeper. And, uh, you know, uh, the finishing struggles continue here. But I think overall, that was a really encouraging game. I think that was the kind of game that could have been a great building block. But you don't see it that way. How do you see it? Uh, I don't see it that way. Because I think we're getting to the point now in this season where we need results. So there, there is no, like, you look at right at this moment, based on the standings and, and, and the way everything is going, the amount of home games that this team is already and will continue to play, there's not a lot of wiggle room anymore. Um, they're, they're looking up at the table, and it's, it's getting further and further and further away. You need a, 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 an encouraging result would have been a draw. Um, they're not getting draws. They're getting losses. And I, you get to a point where it doesn't really matter – how good you look for stretches, and I and I will argue that Tampa has looked tired with the Monday, with the Sunday, Wednesdays, the, that kind of schedule, and it eventually did cost them against uh, the Independence when they finally lost their first game of the season. So I, we're getting past the point of that looked good, that looked encouraging, and said the results need to start being encouraging, and that's not happening. I that is true on the level of of the team being able to get to the playoffs and uh, uh, compete for a trophy this season. I'll give you that. Uh, but I'm, I'm looking at this as, as a number of players who are not necessarily ready for the pro game, uh, getting oh, minutes and kind of you know trial pros. by fire. What? This is the pros. That's what I'm saying. So there's a bunch of guys here who I think are, are young and academy players who are still not quite at this level. Then I'm uh, going to make the arguments that I was going to wait for Hartford, but I'll make it now. If they're not, if they don't have enough players that are pro ready, they should not be in Division Two. I think that's fair. I think and that's fair. I think what you're looking at. The, yeah. Oh no, no, go ahead. Getting to the point where we really have to ask that question because going into the Hartford game, they tried the thing that worked for many years when this team was in Division Three, which is inject some MLS players in, and what they learned is that they can't get away with the talent boost. Uh, because there are teams now that are just playing systems with each other better, and so they can't get away with what they did before and just inject Tom Barlow or, or um, Drew Yearwood or a couple of players, and that talent will shine through because it, the coaching is better. The talent is better. It's not 2016 anymore or 2015 where you can get away with things like that and, and, and get a quick result. You're not getting quick results anymore. This team needs to start being a pro team in the Division Two level. They need the talent to do that, and if they don't have it, those players need to go somewhere else. Okay, I, I'll I'll go through that in uh, a sort of a a, um, a a point by point kind of a thing. First, with the uh, talent not being ready, I think that you have to look at what the aim of the team was and and what it is supposed to be is that stepping stone from the academy to the pro level. There's a we're hitting that point now where there's that um uh, a run of players who were in the academy in its sort of rudderless state and the talent just is not at that level and i think they're getting back to a point where they're where they're getting younger kids who uh are you know putting in better performances and, and um i think progressing appropriately but there was a point where you know you had guys like uh, Tyler in the academy and 
nobody has really come close to that. And I think that was a big part of what Thelwell and uh, um, uh, and company when they when they talked about the team, they talked about trying to figure out a way to uh, 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 grow those types of players in a more regular occurrence than what we currently have. They're not there yet. But let's let's be fair to Tyler too. He did not have to play the level of talent in when he was 17 years old or something probably 16 when he started um, that this current crop has to play. You look at this Tampa Bay team, essentially a, an Academy players are playing the New York Cosmos. Let's, let's, Let's be honest, right? Like there's so many New York ex New York Cosmos player players of that caliber and that experience that have national team experience, some of them on on the, you know, not U-20s, but actual national team experiences, some of them. Um, you know, it, it it's not the same apples to apples comparison from 2015 to 2016 that it is now. And I think this team needs to realize that or like maybe, you know, there's this is now triple A baseball to use it to use an American sports analogy. Um, it was double A before and that worked fine. But now you're injecting single A and, tri- and double A players into a triple A system, and it's not working. So perhaps there needs to be a double A system before these guys hit this level. I, th- I think that's fair, and I also think that within the next couple of years, the fortunes of the academy players coming through will be, uh, uh, or will I, I guess those players in uh, in particular rather will have better fortunes than uh, some of the ones coming through now. Even though they're very talented players, I think it's just a really tough spot for the team to be in with, with so many guys who are not really prepared, but you uh, are uh, essentially putting through the, um, uh, the crucible and trying to hope for the best. But uh, on a, a more macro uh, level, I do think that you're seeing improvement across, uh, you know, some of the, the most important players in the system. It's just not quite there yet. Uh, we were, we were talking about, so first it was the, the, the players who were here who are not ready to step up yet. What was the second point that you made? Oh goodness. I think I was talking. <laughs> I think I just covered that. You should have had the notes. Point. I should have had the notes down, right? Yeah, you should have. Yeah. You're a counterpoint. No, I, I think part of it, we've also discussed as well, like where I just said about the fact that the team just doesn't seem ready to compete in this league or they, or some of the, um, the injection of MLS players. Oh yes. That was the other point. Okay. Yeah. I I would argue that with some exceptions, the, when historically, when we've seen this team bring in a lot of MLS players for any match, I don't think they win those matches. I think more often than not, they lose those matches. And it's because a lot of these guys, when they come down, you see the efforts not there. And yeah, that is a perfect way to transition to that uh, Hartford game because I think they started pretty well in that game. Uh, they gave up a goal and then everything just went uh, down the drain at the end of the half. I think, you know, a team like Hartford who is patient and can just uh, weather a little bit of the early storm, there was no effort uh, from the midfield, from the defense. I think uh, in the first half, uh, Jason uh, Pendant did okay until he went to sleep for the final, you know, three or four minutes of the half. He got caught up field a bunch. Mandela Egbo got caught up field a bunch. I think, I think if you had told me, I would have preferred Egbo's performances as a center back to his uh, stint at right back for this team. I would have thought that that was a crazy notion, uh, but I thought he just looked very, very poor, and 
uh, shaky in his decision making um, uh, going forward and getting caught in behind. And the team as a whole just completely shut down. Uh, Tom Barlow, uh, I thought, you know, maybe he's got a little bit uh, of a confidence issue because of how his fortunes have uh, sort of shook out over the last year. Uh, but he had a very, very poor game. Uh, Cameron Harper, I, I didn't see much from him. I look at this as like a game. If you told me that this was the team that was uh, going to be playing for RB2 at the beginning of the season, I I would make maybe the joke about like, oh, this could be a you know an open cup roster for the MLS side um, and should be able to easily go out there and get points against Hartford. Uh, but once things went poorly, everything shut down, and that really surprised me. I mean, the, so the real I here's one question I have to ask for you because in in football, one one of the things about like when you say like started well, mm-hmm. um, that's going to be different for every team, right? Like, um, for instance, counter attacking teams like start well is going to be like, hey, they seem to spring well out of the back and everything. For for this team, for this Red Bull two team, what does starting well mean to you? So in the first fifteen minutes, um, I thought that they controlled possession. They had a, a few very good looks at goal, including hitting the crossbar once, um, and seemed to be putting the game on their terms. They weren't necessarily creating a ton of dangerous chances with the amount of possession that they had, but they were they were finding the game and they looked like they, they were settling into it. So for me, that's what I when I say they started well, those are the kinds of things that you want to see from a team. Uh, maybe a Red Bull team, the best kind of start is for them to get a goal in the first 15 minutes because that's when you know, they're at their most lively, uh, but Hartford sat back. So they had to take what they could get. I think they did a good job combining in and around the box a little bit sloppy, uh, you know, but, uh, still looking like, like a team that was at the same level as the team they were playing. Yeah. So that's the thing when when you mentioned about like Red Bull, Red Bull soccer is like, you know, going out there, pressing early, getting that early goal. And And we've said this for years about any Red Bull team is that like, if they don't score first, things get dicey after the 60th minute. Um, Mainly because the style of football that they play is so exhausting for anyone, no matter what your age is. (laughs) Um, So when you say they didn't create enough chances, that to me, and that's what I noticed watching this game, is why I wouldn't say that they they had a good start to the game. Um, They did possess well, but again, Hartford was more than happy to just let them possess the ball. Um, let them tire themselves out, let them do whatever they're going to do and wait for them to make mistakes. Um, and eventually <laughs> they make quite a few of them. Um, so I just, I, I can't agree on the point that they, that they started well. I, I think that they had an idea of what they wanted to do and did not get the result necessary in those first 15 to 20 minutes before things just completely crumbled. And, you know, you're right. Like they, they did insert a lot of players um, some of them have confidence issues. If you know, I I don't know what to do. It's an MLS discussion when it comes to Tom Barlow now. Yeah. But it's just like, look, you you just went back down to the two team, and you were a part of the worst loss in team history. Um, I you know, good luck for you, man. I hope I hope you can find that confidence. But it's uh, it's 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 starting to look pretty dire. Um, and. You know, hopefully, I was kind of hoping we would have a positive result in Charleston, where the Red Red Bull two has played well in the past. Um, but, geez, man, I mean, 
I'm trying not to be such a Debbie Downer, but man, this looks like a bottom of the league team right now. Well, I think the only reason why I would consider you a Debbie Downer for uh, uh, being critical of the 7-0 loss is because that's really not this team. That's that's like a, an MLS reserve squad. So I'm not I'm not terrifically down on the team overall, but the players involved in that match, I think all should be very ashamed of themselves. You know, you've got enough talent out there to have won that game. And it is, it is real sad that uh, it went so poorly. I think some of the blame, uh, maybe a, a good amount of blame in that uh, has to go to AJ Marcucci. I think after having a, a number of, of, what I would consider good games with a couple of mistakes here and there. I think this was a really poor performance. So I feel real bad for him because, um, you know, he's obviously a talented guy, but I think, uh, this was the kind of night where once one thing went wrong, it, it just compounded and, uh, became impossible. And, you know, maybe the defense let him down a little bit, but there were some moments that, uh, I'm sure that, uh, you know, you never want to see those again as a goalkeeper. You never want to watch the highlights from this game. Yeah, no, this was uh, this could not get any worse. And it, I just, I don't know. I, you know, one of the things about this team over the years has been that there was a very clear understanding of what it was meant to be under under Marsh and Ali Curtis before that. Um, and how it was set up. I don't know if Struber and Thelwell think the same way about this club, especially after an off season where the MLS side went out and got quite a few players to come in and, and have been playing on this team. I don't know what they think anymore of the use, not, not that it's useless, but what the use of the two team is moving forward. And I think that's a big question that, we're going to have to answer over the next year or two, like, is this just an academy developing piece or is this a piece that can develop players from other teams that can become major assets? Look, the best, uh, take Tyler Adams out because he didn't play mm-hmm. a lot in the MLS club. The best asset this team has ever produced for the MLS level has been Aaron Long. Yeah. And that was, he did not sign for this team. He came from Seattle Sounders too as a midfielder. You know, so players like that, I, 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 re- I feel like we need to see more of that on mm-hmm. this team. Picking up the scraps from other teams that where they can see the potential and make that work. But right now what we're seeing is an insert of, of very young, inexperienced players getting thrown to the wolves in Division Two, And I just, I don't know how helpful that is for them right now. I, I agree with that assessment. And I think... Uh, I don't know this, obviously, because I don't know either of these guys. But uh, knowing that uh, Thelwell was, you know, instrumental in getting uh, 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 the academy settled and having McCafferty in place and kind of bringing in some of these players, like we haven't seen Bento Estrella yet. We haven't, you know, um, uh, Caden Clark was another one of those guys that uh, came through after the academy was set back up and had the connection to Sean McCafferty. But I think that. Uh, you know, maybe Thelwell, I, I think less Struber, more, but more Thelwell uh, looks at this as like, you know, this is a generation of talent uh, that is preceding my time. And um, maybe it is not a, as paramount that they succeed in the way that uh, these younger guys who are going to start coming through uh, will uh, because they're part of his revolution. 
Yeah, and that's always the growing pains of, of the turnover. Although we did not see that necessarily as much with Curtis, who inherited from Andy Roxburgh yep. quite, quite the job. And I don't think we, we, we talk enough about the work that Andy Roxburgh did um, to create the next generation of Red Bull players. Um, but yeah, it, it, look, I'm, I'm being down on them, but at the same time, I do understand that these kind of years happen, especially at this level. And it's just a matter of like, okay, how is this being corrected? Right. And I don't know if we're seeing that just yet. That the Hartford game was a throwback to something that had been tried many, many moons ago in order to just, he's like, hey, we're just going to give you some guys. Can you just get them some minutes? It doesn't really matter what happens. Yeah. Um, that doesn't fly anymore in the USL championship. It might fly if you're in League One. But it doesn't fly in in the championship anymore, and it's 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 gonna really backfire because guys are playing talent that is on a different level. Yeah, and I think there are guys that have shown that they can step up to that, uh, but you know, there's there's a lot of guys on the team uh, that just don't look ready for it, and um, you know, uh, again, I think I think when we talk about that. Um, I talk about that in the context of the Tampa Bay game and not necessarily the Hartford game because most of the guys out there uh, in that Hartford game should not be struggling with the level of play. Yeah, Drew Yearwood especially. Like, yeah. Drew like, Yearwood, Andreas Reyes, Reyes uh, Agbo, Pendant. Those are all guys who should have been able to handle this level of competition. You know, Reyes is an anomaly. And what's more worrying about, you know, I know we're not talking about the MLS team, What's so worrying about Andres Reyes is, you know, he has been talked about as being the guy that they're going to lean on with Aaron Long being out. And thank goodness Sean Nealis has stepped up, former Red Bull 2 player. Yep. Um, but still, this team is woefully thin in the back. Mm-hmm. If Andres Reyes is going to play at the level that we saw him play in uh, at um, at Hartford. I mean, it's it's... It's very worrying, and you just wonder if there, there's got to be some lower division moves made and getting some other players, especially center backs. I mean, Mandela Igbo is not the answer to everything. No, but Tom um, Edwards might be. Tom Edwards put in a good shift at center back. But you're right. We're not talking about the yeah. MLS side. <laughs> yeah, but again, like, you know, it's just that there's... That's a stopgap. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, there's a lot of stopgaps right now, and that's, that's not a... Uh, it doesn't look like there's any option right now yeah. on the two teams yeah all part of the building process in my, in my mind i think that they're not in a bad place but they, they definitely need some help right now um okay this well i you know i say this all the time when there's the wednesday game but uh either tonight or tomorrow if you're listening to this on tuesday uh new york red bulls two are taking on charlotte independence they handed uh the tampa bay rowdies their first loss uh recently uh, 1-0 win on June 5th. They also beat Hartford 3-2 uh, just last weekend on the 13th. This is a solid team. I think that we've seen them uh, year in, year out. Uh, they're able to compete. Right now they are 4-2-0 and overall. 2-0 uh, and at home, 2-2 two and two on the road. 4-1-0 and in their last five games. Their, their second loss, or sorry, they have two losses this season, and the first one was in the opener against Tampa Bay. So the team has done very well since then. Uh, Irvin Para is leading the way with three goals. Uh, Marcelo Palomino with two, and then a bunch of guys, including Dane Kelly, tied with one. 
Dane Kelly, not leading the, the team in goals, but still a solid player. Um, uh, a, a number of guys uh, have chipped in with assists. Thomas Devilardi, uh, Jake Araman, Clay Dimmick, uh, Tresser and Bayou. Uh, and uh, between the sheets, Brandon Miller, solid goalkeeper. <laughs> this is another good team filled with USL veterans. We talked about it for the Rowdies match. We're talking about it again. I don't, I don't know one uh, ha- how the Red Bulls two are going to answer uh, back after what happened against Hartford. You know, they they I probably were primed and ready to go for Charleston, and you know, hopefully bounce back. Having the extra time and and not being able to just put that one behind you and get back up and just start playing, it kind of stinks. But you know, maybe there's also some good to that. I don't know. I don't know. But I think this is going to be a tough match. Anthony, what do you see Charlotte uh, bringing on uh, Wednesday night? A, a tremendous amount of experience both in the team, as with the players you mentioned, but also in their uh, head coach, Mike Jeffries, who has, I mean, from a, um, he, from a league perspective, he may not be very well known. He, he managed the independence before from 2015 to 2018. But um, <laughs> he managed... The Dallas Burn back in 2001. I mean, he's been around forever. He's been big in the college um, community as well. He was a, an assistant coach at Duke with the Chicago Fire and Des Moines. He's um he knows the players, the type of players that this league is producing. Um, it which there's a lot of college players. Let's, let's be honest that that make their way to the USL that maybe don't make it into the uh, the MLS squads. He knows those kinds of players. He knows how to manage them. He knows how to manage veteran players. And so I think he is, uh, we need John Walneck to be an experienced coach and out-duel Mike Jeffries in this one. Um, I'm hoping he can do it. This team does not need to start producing at home. This is, they don't have very many home games left because they played so many already. Uh, They, they really, really, really need a result in this game. Yeah, I mean, look, they've done better away from home, so maybe maybe it'll be good when they're finally done uh, playing at home. But you're you're right. This is going to be a tough match. Uh, Jeffries and a team of strong USL uh, veterans. It's going to be a lot to ask for the kids to get up and punch above their weight. I thought they did it against Tampa Bay, regardless of what you say, Anthony. Uh, and I think they're absolutely capable of doing it again. Um but we've got to see it for, for more than just a, a couple of flashes per match. We need to see a team that is able to uh, put up with the rigors of the press and uh, be able to put out the kind of energy that, that everyone needs. Maybe it's a, you know, we talked about the veteran leader thing. You know, maybe that will make a world of difference. Kyle Zayat's still out uh, rehabbing an injury from last season. Maybe when he gets in the squad, uh, you know, there's there's some things that are going to change, but it's going to be a, it's going to be a long year i think watching this team and you know that's it's going to happen from time to time when you're relying on so many young guys but uh this is a tough one let's get a uh, score prediction from you anthony i'm thinking that this is going to be a 3-1 in favor of charlotte yeah i think that's fair let's call i'm going to say uh well 3-1 would be really good cuz they need to score a goal when's the last time they scored a goal they haven't scored since the 2-2 game uh against uh, Charleston back on May 23rd. We're almost a month out from the last time they scored a goal. 
Uh, so that would be good. Yeah, three to one. I'll say two to one. It'll be a little bit closer than that for no reason at all. Um, yeah, hope, hoping for the best during the game because I feel like that's all. <laughs> yeah, I, I, um, I haven't been able to get out to a match yet because of the horrific rain. The one time I was going to go, and they keep having them on Wednesday nights, which I can't do. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I wish for better weather and for more weekend games. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, maybe. I mean, you know, I, don't know. I was, I was going to make a joke about maybe they'll start splitting a stadium with uh, with Queensboro, but it's a, so that it <laughs> that's a. I like that. I like the idea of Queensboro having to come out to MSU Soccer Park. Um, it'll, it'll happen. We'll see. We'll see. One year from now. Uh, let's talk about other things that are going to happen one year from now. How's that for a segue? Uh, Jamie Vardy announced this morning, Tuesday morning, uh, that he has become part owner of the Rochester Rhinos. Woo! Rhinos are, uh, I mean, Rochester, Soccer Town, USA at one time. Rhinos were a huge club uh, in the sort of nethers of U.S. soccer for years and years. One time champions, one time Bob Lilly uh, uh, coached them. They're not going to be playing in more, USL. More than more than one time USL champion, but also um, a team that was almost an MLS expansion team back in 2000. That's right. Uh, I don't remember who was uh, tweeting about it this morning, but they were talking about how players in both Kansas City and Tampa Bay were told at separate times that they might have to be transitioning to Rochester. Nearly died. I mean, they had that insane press conference a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um where they said you need to give essentially they said you need to give us more money or we're going to take the team with us. <laughs> yeah. Uh my god. Um not quite uh Mike Piazza uh <laughs> Italian club. I don't remember which one. Uh, it was Parma, right? That he bought. No, Venezia who Venezia? were promoted to Syria offer next year. Get out of town. Look at that. Yes, they were. We know that because of our good friend Sonia who um who I don't know if you ever met Sonia a few times but but uh Worked for Kick TV, formerly. I don't. What are, what is Kick TV now? Copa ninety. Uh, I think that's right. Yes, I do remember Sonia. Um, yeah, she she works for that team now, and they've been promoted to the uh, to the first division. Amazing, love to see it. You love to see it. Yeah, nothing. And and they took their victory lap of because uh, I think they won Syria B. They took their victory lap on a gondola on the river. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. Love to hear it. Um, great. That that's fantastic. Uh. uh not playing in USL, does that mean Rhinos are going to be in Nisa? What do you think? Uh, I hope so, for their sake. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's the only other place you can go. Um, and, and maybe that would be a good thing for them. They are sanctioned as D3. so And, and there's, there's a lot of really good teams, well-run teams. There's a lot of really badly run teams as well. But like Kingston Stockade, I believe, are there. And and um, a few other really good clubs. I think Detroit City is also playing in Nisa. I think you're right. So, yep. so th- there's some good clubs there that they can help strengthen that league. Um, I just I really hope that that is the place that they're going to go because if not, it's it's obscurity and you know unfortunately the back pages of a Wikipedia page. That's for, for sure for Jamie yeah. Vardy or for Rochester or both. Oh, don't get me started about Jamie Vardy. Does he know? <laughs> does he know that Rochester's in America? So that's what I was going to ask. Uh, not necessarily that that uh, uh, broad of a question, but like, uh, 
how does this come to pass? Who pitches Rochester Rhinos to Jamie Vardy? I mean, there is there is some romanticism, I think, that you could like look at a storyline where Jamie Vardy, one time bar league player, uh, you know, comes into the game uh, playing in conference football, makes his way to the Premier League, wins a title, wins the Golden Boot. He's going to bring Rochester back from the dead and uh, somehow uh, turn them into, I don't know, what's like the best case scenario for Rochester? They, I don't think that they would ML- end up as an MLS team, but like some notoriety there. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. You, you're putting a lot of thought in this. Probably <laughs> what happened. We're talking about Jamie Vardy here, okay? Yep, yep. Probably what happened is somebody pitched him this idea. In the middle of a coke binge. No oh my. <laughs> and and he was shaking his leg and constantly nodding at the person and said, Yes, yes. So do you want to invest? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And he probably thought they were talking about like some other Chester in Colchester or something in, in England. And he got all the paperwork and gear and he was like, Well, no going back now because Jamie Vardy never goes back on anything. <laughs> all right that's fair i think that's fair now rebecca vardy on the other hand <laughs> oh my you know, we, we, i we hope great great stories with her and um wayne and wayne rooney's wife yes i was gonna say i hope that they they could bring some instagram drama to the u.s and uh turn a spotlight on rochester uh any way they can can you imagine if it ends up with Jamie Vardy and Wayne Rooney playing at Rochester? Oh my God, that'd be amazing! Against each other, Rochester and like uh, Wayne Rooney in Detroit City. You know, two. There could not be two players in the world more suited for the Buffalo weather than Jamie Vardy <laughs> and Wayne Rooney. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, in other news, this week uh, uh, we could talk about the USLW league. Uh, you tell me more about it because I have my head under a rock and I know next to nothing. Sure. So the W League, um, they're going to be sanctioned as it's either a second or third division. I don't have it in front of me at the moment, but they're not going to. They're they're in no way going to be a competitor to the to the NWSL. So this is not a um, an attempt for the USL to encroach on the work that the NWSL has done. This is really to be fully supportive of the women's game in the United States. Uh, I believe Orlando City's, uh, Orlando Pride, I'm sorry, um, their academy is going to be involved in this somewhat. I know Queensboro, um, the new USL championship team, has also said that their women's team is going to be there. So it's going to be essentially, I'm going to use this word, but this is really in all due respect, it's going to be an amateur league in that sense to be able to get more women and girls the chance to play organized soccer which i think could not be seen in anything but a positive way and i'm glad that the usl is going back to some of its roots in that way usl league two for the men's game is like that as well Mm -hmm. essentially the w league is going to be usl league two except for women now you mentioned uh uh the pride um are there other nwsl teams that are going to be fielding academy teams here I believe so, but I don't know which one's off the top of my head because okay. um, they don't they don't really have many places to go um, or to, to get meaningful games. So I believe they are going to be working um, with that as well. Well, that is excellent. Excellent stuff. Yeah, which is, you know, and we'll also see because, you know, who knows what's going to happen with MLS next. 
<laughs> Sky Blue is going to be the uh, the first soccer team. Uh, well, I guess uh, uh, I, have no, I have no idea who Sky Blue is. What team oh, is that's Sky? right. They're Gotham, right? They're Gotham now. Yeah, See, that's how yeah. far that's how far my head Gotham? is under a rock. Oh yeah, yeah. Anyway, Gotham is going to be turning uh, 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 out trophies in no time. They'll be the model uh, soccer franchise around these parts. While we <laughs> very well might be they're they're I mean, they're not scoring a lot of goals as well, but they're looking pretty good this year. We'll have to uh, cannibalize each other as fans for the Red Bulls. Uh, because we can't get along. Uh, <laughs> Sky Blue will just walk around, win trophies, and that'll be that. Wait, what? Red Bull fans can't get along with Sky Blue fans? <laughs> no, they can't get along with themselves. They, oh, well, yeah. yeah they, they'll, they'll be too busy infighting while Sky Blue is just winning all the trophies. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> all right, that's all I got today, guys. Sure. What about you, Anthony? Anything else? Any parting words? Uh, no, just, you know, look, it, this is going to be a rough season. Keep watching, you know, if anything, watch because you're going to watch the other team. <laughs> but, you know, like just it, it's football, you know, watch it and please keep supporting this team because they're going to need it. <laughs> that is for sure. And remember, I mean, it could be frustrating watching this team. And like you could look at a game uh, where they lose seven nothing and you really want to like dig in on everyone. But, you know, just remember that. The, the process in place here is going to allow for some really, uh, truly bizarre or terrible outings from time to time. And that was certainly one of them. Have a go at him. Have some fun. Have some fun. Anyway, if you want to follow us on Twitter, I'm at underscore Joe Goldstein. And I am at RB News Network. And if you want to follow the show, and we hope you do, although in all of these places, I hardly uh, do anything anymore, but uh, we are at Raising Bull Cast. That's one bull, Raising Bull Cast. And uh, as mentioned, we're on Twitter. You could send us questions to questions at RaisingBulls.com. I think I mentioned last time that that might not be active. So send questions to Twitter. That's a, that's a better policy. I should update that. Questions to Twitter, guys. Jesus. We might have people asking questions wondering why the questions aren't getting answered i mean i i still have it set up on my phone that those should come through but i don't know if they do <laughs> have to go out there and dust off the skeletons uh, uh uh we're part of the beautiful game network at bgn.fm they cover mls usl premier league nwsl lots of great stuff podcasts articles give it a go guys you will not be disappointed um, and we are sponsored by Icarus FC. Tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league squad, adult, or even pro team? Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com. And of course, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. For myself, for Mr. Anthony Merced, thank you very much. Have a great night.